You're listening to the Life in Christ Church Podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? Praise God. Well, let's pray. Thank you, Father. We just come before you, Father, with thanksgiving in our hearts. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. We acknowledge how dependent on you we are. You are everything to us. Oh, Father, you're our source. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the love that you've loved us with. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. <laughs> you've just, you've, you, you're such an over and above Father. Oh, we're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We open our hearts to you. We ask you to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the deep and intimate knowledge of you. Flood the eyes of our hearts, Lord, with light. Light. I pray that we just in every heart here in this room, light would flood their hearts. But Father, they'll see things they've never seen before in your word, and they'll see themselves in a new way, and that old lies and, and, and things that have uh, hindrances, Father, they just fall off. Even today, Father, we ask you for that. We believe for that, and that we would know, Father, the hope of your calling, the riches, the glory of your inheritance in us, and the greatness of your power the unlimited, immeasurable, surpassing greatness of your power that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your own right hand. It's the same power that's working in us and for us who believe. We ask you, Father, for that working knowledge of that. I ask you for strengthening your people today. I ask you for an experience in your love, Father. Father, I ask you that you would make yourself real in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, I'm just even sitting there. I just feel the fire of God already. I just feel, you know, we're, and we're, we're getting ready. We're gearing up here. Today is kind of the, you know, they call it the start of Holy Week as we get ready to gear up for Easter. Um, today is Palm Sunday. And um, I mentioned at the beginning of service, um, you know, I was kind of contemplating, I'm not going to be preaching on Palm Sunday necessarily today, but I was contemplating, like, Lord, what's the significance of Palm Sunday? And he just started to, uh, I, first I, I was looking at what the palms symbolize, and they symbolize actually victory. And I thought, and then I thought about how Jesus, what he, you know, it says that it, around this time, you know, as these events were leading up, it says that he set his face like flint towards what he was getting ready to do. And I mean, he had to do that. There were plenty of things that could have detracted him or pulled him to the side, but he knew his mission and he set his course. Uh, that just, it's like a steely determination, like a laser-like focus. And that makes me think of Hebrews uh, 11 or 12, where it talks about how he, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So it's like he set his sights on that and he he zoned in on that, and that's what he was going for. And so his, he, he began to make his journey to Jerusalem against probably the advice of those around him who knew that there were a lot of people out to get him, jealous, angry, 
you know, just livid about what had been going on through his ministry. And, and he's set his face, and he's journeying towards Jerusalem. But right upon the entry to Jerusalem, they call it, we call it the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it's interesting about how it's called the triumphant entry into Jerusalem when he actually uh, hadn't gone through anything yet. He hadn't, he hadn't been crucified. He hadn't encountered anything. And yet here he is entering the beginning of what he was to go through with triumph. We know that the Bible doesn't promise us we won't go through things. We know that there's a verse that actually says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Glory to God. So even in that, you know, oh my God, many are the afflictions, but <laughs> there's victory right in there. The Lord delivers us. So in every affliction, we have an expectation of the glory of God. We have an expectation of deliverance. I thought of that, uh, you know, my dad as we just celebrated him and, and, and just seeing him up there looking good, dad, looking healthy. And there's, a, you know, he's been through some stuff this year, some health challenges, some things, frustrations, some, some weaknesses. Uh, but the Lord <laughs> just delivered him. And many of you, different things that you're passing through. Sometimes it may not have gone the way that you've wanted it to do. You know, go. You, you want it to, to come out a certain way. And, and maybe it didn't quite go that way. But there's still the, but the Lord delivers you from all. We don't have to know how he's going to deliver us. Sometimes we think it's going to be look this way and this timeline and it's going to happen right now, you know, this point in time. And it, it usually doesn't quite look the way that we try to figure it out. But he does deliver. He delivers. He never fails. He won't fail. <laughs> Great is his faithfulness. Hallelujah. And so many are the afflictions, and there's things that we know that will come up in the future. But we have a confidence that he'll deliver us from them all. Maybe you're going through something now. Maybe there's darkness. Maybe there's different, you know, challenges, whatever challenges that might be in front of you. I'll tell you what, it's not the challenge that Jesus was facing on that day. Our worst day doesn't compare to what he went through. Because he took it all at one time. He took all your worst days at one time. He took all of your weaknesses, your torment, your everything, that bad thing you've ever experienced in your life, every spiritual opposition or thing that has come against you. He took it all at once upon himself. And he knew that it was so much more than just the physical pain that was going to be inflicted on him. The mental anguish, the, the weight, the, even all of the things, you know, sin brings so much with it. So much turmoil, so much shame, so much, uh, you know, just lack of peace. And, and even though he had never sinned, he chose to subject himself to the consequences of sin. So he felt the shame. He felt the turmoil. He felt the lack of peace. He felt the confusion. He felt... All all of the things that has happened to us when we mess up, he felt it even though he never messed up. He chose to take that into himself. Can you imagine all of your worst days piled into one? And that's what Jesus was heading to. 
It's what caused him to sweat blood because he knew the horror was not just physical. It was all of humanity's angst in one moment on that cross put on him. And yet he entered into that. How? With triumph. (laughs) With the waving of palm branches. With the shouts of victory. With Hosanna in the highest. That is just such a beautiful thing to me. He demonstrates to us how to win in every situation. He went into the greatest trial of his life, the greatest challenge of his life with shouts of victory. (laughs) The people may not have even known what they were celebrating, but prophecy was fulfilled and God ushered him into this place with victory. And so I encourage you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's looking, what is in front of you, if he did it, you can do it. You can raise your voice in victory. <laughs> you can shout Hosanna in the highest. You can declare the reign of God and the, and the victory because it, actually is now, it now actually is a finished fact. <laughs> he, was, he was accomplishing it in that in what he went through. But for us, it's a done deal. How can you shout at the onset of a trial? How can you shout when things aren't looking good? You can shout when you know the end is fixed. (laughs) And it's fixed. It's fixed. And it's not just limited to this life, but it's fixed. It is fixed. You say, well, I know somebody who they, they, they didn't receive their answer. Honey, there's so much more than this life to your journey in God even. So much more. Did you know this life, we think of this life as being like the stage, the main stage, but it's really just the prequel. We're just in the prequel to what God had intended us for. It actually was like a little detour because, you know, he didn't intend for us to go through all of the, 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 devastation of sin and living under the curse that wasn't his will for us and so we took a little detour and we're actually kind of just getting back to the starting line this isn't the main stage (laughs) brother Keith Moore talks about how when his father went to be with the Lord he was like Lord I still wanted to do this I wanted to do that and the Lord said well who's to say you're not going to We think so temporary. We think that this temporary life is so much and so big when it's really just just nothing in the light of what's to come. (laughs) Even our relationships, the people that God connects us to, there's eternal value in supernatural relationships. So I don't know what we'll be doing together for the next 1,000, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 years. (laughs) Or however God defines time or if it even whatever it looks like in the after in eternity. We have we've got a long stretch ahead of us. We'll have some projects. We'll have some things that God gives us to do together. We'll have I mean, I mean, our minds can't really wrap around it because we're so earthly minded. But man, what did he what did he intend for us if Adam hadn't so quickly just like detoured? My goodness. This life is just the prequel. Those of you that have family members that have gone on ahead, I mean, for them, it's just, uh, I forget, I was listening to something they were talking about how 
you know, time is so different with God and us. And, and even if it was, let's say, 10 years before Jesus returned or 20 years in, in heavenly time, I mean, that's just a few seconds. I mean, they are in preparation mode right now. Let me tell you, they are getting the tables ready. They're getting the supper ready. They're getting the horse. The horses are stomping their feet. The angels are getting their trumpets ready. I mean, come on. It's the time, the time at hand to God. It's just a little blink. And he's coming back. <laughs> the temporal things we got, it's just a moment that doesn't even compare to the eternal weight of glory. Glory to God. We got to be more, more eternal minded. God help us with that. We get so caught up in the temporal, which is only so subject to change, so temporary. So victory is defined by the outcome, and our outcome is fixed. Jesus fixed the outcome for us. We have a guarantee of victory. In fact, he didn't just guarantee us victory. He, victory. he actually made us victors so that we can produce victory wherever we go. That was the work of the cross. And this week is all about that. It's about looking at, I mean, and this is everything to us. What happened this week? What happened? What we are remembering this week is everything. It's monumental. It's so big. It is so, I mean, it changed everything. It, it affected everything in us. And that's, that's what I want to talk about today. This Easter Sunday, man, <laughs> you just can't even hardly scratch the surface of everything that was held in this event. One of the things Pastor Mark says, he said it when he was here, he said there are events in God that are eternally accessed. You can go to these events at any time and that we need to. You're going to need to go to this event time and time again. In fact, it would be smart to take any situation in your life to this event. Anything, any situation. You bring it here to what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection. <sighs> he made us victors. Pastor Joe loves, he, he, he's like, we need to sing that song every week when we sing Oh Mighty Ones and we sing that part. I've got victory, it's all over me. I've got victory. I mean, we smell like victory. We look like victory. We, we just, at victory, we can't get away from victory. <laughs> it's following us. It's out in front of us. Victory all over me. That's who you are. You're a victor. Not just what you've been given, it's what you've been made, a victor. And that's what this is all about. And so, you know, and part, we're have, like Pastor Joe said, we're having baptisms this week. Um, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And so uh, really uh, what, I mean, what we want to look at today is identification. Because that is what, if, to understand baptism, you have to understand identification. And identification is understanding what happened in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as it relates to who you are and who, you, and who God has made you. 
Because really, when you come and you accept the free gift of salvation that God has given, you actually have no point of reference anymore for who you are. Because everything you've known up until that point changes. And so what happens, you know, we, ha- we, we go through this, and then we, on the other side of it, we're still trying to, 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 you know, use these frames of reference of our life experience, of how we were before, of what our personality is like. And you can't even do that. Because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And in one version actually says a new species of being. Like you're not even in the same species anymore. You changed entire species. <laughs> All the things that you could relate to from that all, it is done. It is gone. A new creature. All things, old things passed away, and everything is new. Everything. It's like you're being reborn. You're learning everything from scratch. All new. You have to be introduced, reintroduced to everything, because even how you saw life, how you saw people, how you saw situations, all of that was out of that old framework. Now it's a new framework, and if you'll see things, learn to see things through this new framework, everything will look different. It will all look different, even your past. And so uh, identification is really what baptism is about, Um, And so I'm going to define that. Identification is to consider or treat as one and the same. The condition or fact of being the same in all qualities under consideration. Sameness. And there's different words that that, uh, are kind of related to that. You could say identical, identical twins. You could say identity, who I am, my identity, how I identify Um, That's a big word today. How do I identify? Um, Well, uh, we have a, um, we can't even trust ourselves to actually do that. It's all so new. There's no framework of reference, like I said before. And so, who are you? Well, you're not what your parents made you anymore. That's not just the, the, the entirety or summation of who you are. You're not what the past has made you because that's in the past. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. You're not what your mistakes have made you. Those are in the past. You're not, uh, you're not identified by your feelings. Those do not determine you. They're not reliable. If you haven't learned that by now, then, man, get, get, get a revelation of the fact that your feelings are not reliable. They will change. They will lie to you. They will take you down a wrong path. We cannot be led by our feelings. We cannot draw conclusions off, well, I feel this way, but then the next day I feel this way. And I'm not feeling, I don't know, I just feel so. No, that's going to take you so far down a trail you don't want to go. You need something stronger than your feelings. More certain. And we have a stronger word. We have something that is uh, a higher authority than our feelings. Your identity is not even defined by your behavior. That's a hard thing sometimes to wrap our minds around. Well, if they lie, they're a liar. That's not the summation of your identity. Even in your mistakes, your behavior problem, that is not defined who you are. 
Pastor Mark says this, the greatest need of every believer is to know who they are and what they have. Mind renewal begins with your identification with Christ. So we talk a lot about renewing the mind. We've got to, when you come to God, your, 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 your spirit changes, but your mind needs to change. The way you think, the way you see things, and it changes through the word of God. But all of that process begins with identification with Christ. So if we're putting Christ onto the end of this, God has identified us with Christ. That is the, 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 one of the cores of everything that Jesus did was that he brought us into this union with Christ. Jesus came and united himself to us in our mess so that we would be united to him in his triumph and in his ascension and in his justification and in his righteousness. And we become the righteousness of God. You'll never rise above your understanding of who you are. So, and in the, in, in, in the subject of identification, we're talking about the process or the, the outcome of God making us one in the same, identical to Jesus Christ. That is the heart of the redemption message. That's the heart of what happened in salvation. He didn't just come to flaunt Jesus in front of us and say, this is what you should have been, but too bad for you, you piece of scum. You'll never be like this. He came to show us and say, this is who I'm making you. (laughs) This is what a man who is not under the power of sin looks like. This is what a person who has never, has never come under Satan's power and dominion, this is how he lives. This is the authority that somebody comes who is born of me and pleasing to me. He was a prototype. Not just somebody for you to go, oh, I'll never be that way. And oh, No, he actually intends for us to be that way. He was modeling to us what life outside of the dominion of sin and the curse looks like so that we could know what our life will look like now that we've been redeemed from the curse and delivered from the power of sin. And it all starts with this understanding and this mind renewal. It starts by your understanding of this, of who you are in him. And it always starts with two things. It always starts with first, if you're going to really understand this, first, you've got to encounter who he is. What is he like? And then anytime that somebody encountered Jesus, he would always turn around and he'd say, and this is who you are. Happened with Peter. When Jesus asked Peter, he said, who do people say that I am? Peter said, I, you, some say you're Elijah, some say this. He said, but who do you say I am? He said, I say you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He got a revelation of who Jesus was. And Jesus turned around and said, he changed his name. You are Peter. So there's like a name change, which signifies an identity change on the other side of this encounter with who he is. And that is the identification. That is the, the, uh, how, this, how this takes place in our lives. We encounter him, and then we encounter who we are, the new person. Pastor Mark always says, if you're not impressed with who Jesus is, you haven't seen him lately. 
You haven't seen him lately. And then it's not just to say, oh, my goodness, this is who he is. But then realizing you've been placed in him and him in you. And so uh, this must affect our consciousness. It must permeate our speech. It, we must continually make a point to acknowledge it uh, and, and to acknowledge who we are, to acknowledge where we came from, and to acknowledge where we're going. Jesus constantly did that. He did that throughout his ministry as a model to us. He would say, I'm from the Father. I'm not of this world. He would say, I, you know, my Father. He would talk about his Father, constantly talk about who he was. His first message was the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for, the, for you know, and, and, and what God had anointed him to do. That was his first message, who he was. I think it was Kevin Durant, uh, Brother Kevin. He was here last year in May. He said, uh, I th he's the one I think that talks about how the anointing on our life will be activated when we verbalize it. So even if you're anointed, say, in a certain area, or if you've had a prophetic word given over you, you know, to talk about it actually starts to activate it. And so um, we must continually acknowledge these things and I'll tell you something, every answer to every problem of humanity is found right here. Every answer. You know, and in fact, if you can't find your answer here, in this truth, in this, this death, burial, resurrection, your place in it, Christ's place in you, you can't find it anywhere. But I'm telling you, the answer is in that. That's the answer. It is in this. And if you, if you find like you're still struggling, you just got to drill deeper into it. Drill deeper into it. And it will produce, it will produce effective faith. Brother Hagen said the first step to the highest kind of faith is knowing your identification with Christ. Knowing your new identity. The first step. For your faith to be effective, for it to have that overcoming victory factor, it, you must be thinking about this. You must be conscious of this constantly. It's not enough, and it's not enough just to, to have it. You say, well, he did it for me, but I, you know. Well, it's not enough just to have it. You've got to carry it. You've got to put it on. you got to, you know, at the airport, you're like, well, I'm, I am me. Nope, you gotta have your, you gotta carry something. You gotta carry something that, that, that coincides with it. And they're like, well, who are you? No, I'm, you know, I'm me. I can vouch. No, you gotta have something else. You gotta carry your card. You gotta carry your proof. We have here the, 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 the legal proof of our identity. We gotta carry that. We carry it by our speech. We carry it by how we're thinking about it, our consciousness of it, by, by the word being in front of us regarding this. That's how we carry it. And when you do find this, when you realize, when you start to, to, to go deeper into this, you'll never be a victim another day in your life. This victor who you've been made, that's how that will start to be, come out onto the outside of how you walk and how we live. And it's key to remember, this is not talking about trying to be. It's who we are. That's such a key thing. We're not trying to be like him. I am already made like him. I'm not trying to get it together. I'm not trying to be free. I'm not trying to overcome. I'm not trying. No, get the trying out of your mind. You've got to take on the I am now. And when you switch from the trying until the I am now, 
And it's such an easy thing to slip into because when you're dealing with things that are constantly in front of your face, addictions, habits, problems, uh, behavior patterns, it's so easy to feel like I'm just trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. No, the answer is not in your trying. It's in the realization of who you are. You're not responsible to make this be. Oh, that's such a good, that's that, that right there. Whew. I need to hear that. I'm not responsible to make this be. <laughs> All I have to do is receive the word better. All I have to do is, 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 is let this marinate in my mind. Let this be. That's all I have to do. I don't have to make myself become victorious, make myself be diligent, make myself be honest or this or that or whatever it might be that might be ailing you. Stop trying. Take up the word and just stay, take your stand from the point of this is who I am and everything else will come from there. It flows from your identity. It flows from your identity. And so the other thing that happens with out of identification is the process of sanctification. So this process of growth and development and separation from the things that have tried to control us, they, it is accomplished by the believer, in the believer. P.C. Nelson said this, sanctification is accomplished in the believer. What is sanctification? Freedom from all the things that are trying to weigh you down, sin, things that are trying to get in your way. When all that is separated from you, that is the process of sanctification. That is accomplished by recognizing one's identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and daily reckoning upon the fact of the union with Christ, of your union with Christ. To go further, you have to let God go deeper into this in you. It's not about trying harder. It's about, like I said before, receiving the word better because the word carries the DNA of your identity. And the revelation of this has to capture your imagination to where no longer are you seeing yourself struggling. No longer are you seeing yourself as an addict. No longer are you seeing yourself as the, of these, you know, whatever it is that the, that the enemy has lied to you about. But you see yourself in Christ. You lose that old identity. It's gone. You let go of it. You got to let go of it, though. Sometimes some people hold on to the dead person of who they used to be. Dead bodies are dead weight. You can't hold on to the dead things. You got to let them go and receive the new. Receive who God has made you. Christianity is not about something you do. Certainly we have a part to play in receiving it, but it didn't start with what you did. It started with what God did. <laughs> and God, he did it all. He did it all. He put you in Christ. He identified you with Christ. He, 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 he broke the, <laughs> destroyed the power of sin, paid the price, that the punishment, the, you know, took the punishment that was deserving to us, took the shame, took the guilt. He did it all. And he's given you a new identity, given you a new starting place. So our identity is found at Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. These are eternal God events that can be visited at any time. You can visit it in the midnight hour. You can visit it by the bed of a sick child. You can visit it in a hospital room. You can visit it in whatever place you might find yourself. 
you can take whatever's going on around you and you go to that place and you see yourself there anytime. There's two ordinances of the church that are tied to identification to this, to this revelation. And the first one is baptism. So baptism demonstrates our union with Christ. And when we go down, it's demonstrating our participation in his death. When we come up, it's our participation in his resurrection. We are joined to him. It's all about your union with Christ. It's all about your identification with him. Your old man dies and you come out of that water, a brand new creature, <laughs> brand new life, the life of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the second ordinance is communion. When we eat and we drink, you know, the, the bread symbolizes his body, the, 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 the juice symbolizes his blood. When we take that, it's symbolic, him in you. Taking him, the body of Christ, it's in you now, it's in your inside of you. The, the blood, uh, when, when that symbol of the blood going in, it's symbolic of the blood being applied to your consciousness, to, to your soul that washes you clean from all of the junk, all the stains, all of the muck of the past. It symbolizes that. <laughs> it says in, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26, that when we eat and we drink, of the communion table, we show or broadcast. Another word for show is to broadcast the Lord's death until he comes. Not only are you broadcasting to hell and, and making an official announcement, I died with him, I'm risen with him, sin no longer has power over me, the curse has been broken, but then you're also broadcasting it to yourself. Your emotions, your mind, everything in you that maybe isn't acting right, you're broadcasting to your body that this, uh, that old person is dead. And I now enjoy a new existence. Simply Jesus using my body, him in me, living his life through me. He is the vine. I am the branches. The life that flows through him flows through me. His strength, his peace, his righteousness, everything that he is. We look at him and it's so joyful because it's not just a symbol of, oh, of who we, you know, we behold him from afar. We look at him and we see all of his divine attributes with the awareness that he is now in me and I'm in him. And anyone that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I'm no longer on my own. Now it's not just me. It's a we. Marriage is a symbol of that union. And, you know, in marriage, once you get married, you might still try to be an I, but it's a we. You say, well, I'm going to spend this. Well, we're spending this. You say, well, I'm going to, you know, do this, say it, whatever. No, it's we are doing this. Well, that's what happens with him. No longer just an I. You might be messing up even if you're, you know, in the middle of your mess up. You're taking him with you. He's inside. The, the, you're one spirit with him. And he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. But you don't want to take him with you into your, you, you know, you want to let him lead you out of it. Because he knows how to conquer he defeated hell from the inside 
out. He knows the inner workings of every strategy of the enemy, and he defeated it from the inside. He knows how to, to beat him at every turn. Glory to God. He knows how to beat him in the mind. He knows how to beat him on the out. He knows how to beat every assault against him. He overcame time and time and time again. Religious leaders tried to trap him. They couldn't trap him. He, 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 was un, he said, you can't even take my life from me unless I lie it down. He was unbeatable. And even when he went into the depths of hell, the place devoid of God's presence, he still held his faith. How do you do that when God is not even there? He stayed true. And he praised God in the midst of the, the pit of hell. And he praised his way to victory from the onset of that triumphal entry into Jerusalem all the way to his resurrection and ascension. We've got victory all over us because it's all over him. <laughs> it is all over him. Our king, our king of kings, Lord of lords, the keys of life and death in his hands. I'm almost over into Easter now. <laughs> we'll do it again next week. <laughs> Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 5.17. Maybe we'll, I mean, we might not go much further, but I already, I already quoted this, but it says, if anyone is in union with Christ, this is one version of it. He is a new being. His old life has passed away. A new life has begun. If any person is engrafted in the amplified into Christ, when you're engrafted into something, the same thing that flows through that tree is flowing into you. His anointing, his strength, all of those things, his ability. You're engrafted into him, so all of his, everything he is, you're just just seamless part of it. Hallelujah. This is what we've got to marinate ourselves in. If you want to grow in God, if you want, if you want to, to overcome, you've got to spend time here, not just here and then or whenever the, the, the message comes up. You've got to make a, a, an element of this be a part of your daily day life, day in, day out. You've got to live in this reality. There is no victory outside of this. But it will produce, if you will make this a part of your life, a part of your awareness, it will produce victory in your life, no matter what area. No matter what area. Your, one version says your original conditions have passed away. What was your original condition? Well, I was born this way, and my mom was like this, and my family all are like this, and that's why I'm like this. All that, your original condition is passed away and you've been replaced by a new condition. Another one says the old state of things has passed away. There's a new state of things. My life was a mess or I'm, you know, everything's always going wrong. That's the old state. There's a new state you've been brought into. The deadliness, one version says the deadliness of your former condition has passed away. And it was deadly, wasn't it? We'll run ourselves to the grave with 
following the lusts of the flesh and, and doing, you know, can't control our own desires and our desires take us to crazy places and we self-sabotage and all of those things under that old condition. That's the condition of sin. That has passed away. It's gone. Another one says, a new world has at once opened to you. A whole new world is open to you. The old world has passed away. And let me tell you something. It says if anyone is in Christ. You know what that means? That means there are no special cases. I know when you're going through something, you want to believe we're a special case. Nobody else, if, if they were like me, man, and the enemy lies like that. Everybody else, you are the exception to this. You are the one bad, bad, bad case. No, 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 no. Anyone. Are no special cases. Anyone. God put in Christ the kind of human he wanted to have. Jesus is the pattern we've been created after. He created a kind of person that's never existed before. And the first thing that happens when you receive this is the life of God comes into your spirit and it brings your spirit back to life again. And that life is so powerful that it's actually impossible for you to be dominated by sin and anything else. I remember the testimony. There was one friend of ours who he was uh, he had COVID and he was get, getting worse and worse and worse. And his wife was like, we're going to take you to the hospital. Or, and, and all of a sudden he said something in him rose up and and he, uh, he got up. He said, there's too much of the life of God in me for this to beat me. That was the spirit of God rose up on the inside. He said, and, and it turned, turned right there from that point. That's what needs to happen. There's something in you. You feed these truths into your spirit. So your spirit rises up and says, I cannot be defeated. The life of God, there's too much of God in me. For me to be sick, for me to be defeated, for me to be depressed, for me to be, to be down and out. Too much of God in me for me not to succeed, for me not to have, to have prosperity. Because God, when he comes on this scene, the deserts bloom. You can put me in the middle of a desert with God and it'll turn into an oasis. Glory to God. Galatians 2.20. We'll do one more. I already, I already quoted it, but let's look at it. So there's about four verses that are really kind of like core verses in this. And in fact, I, um, I tore, I bought one of those study, study um, books from Pastor Mark. He's got a study Bible, which that's where I get a lot of my translations out of on these verses. They'll have like 10, 20 not common translations. You know, he, he put, compiles uh, some that are not always like on the Bible app or something like that. They're all compiled there so you can actually go through and read the verse and different things. So I tore out, or actually they might have fallen out, the pages for, <laughs> just as they fell out, uh, the pages that uh, hold these scriptures. So it's Galatians 2.20. It is 2 Corinthians 5.17. It is Romans 6, verse 5 and 6. And it is, actually I don't have Ephesians here, but Ephesians 2 is, is one of the other ones. So those are all some very core verses for this topic of identification. And so uh, 
A lot of times I'll just go to those verses every day. I'll read through, read through the different translations. I'll put myself in it. And um, that's how I keep that a part of my daily life. So I encourage you to do that. Write those verses down. Those are all uh, really foundational. In fact, the whole chapter of Romans 6 is really foundational in this, in baptism. We'll look at that in the baptism class again. But this whole, I died with him and I rose with him. That's, that's, that's what baptism is. When you go under that water, in fact, you can, you know, you, there's been, um, they're both deliverance mechanisms, if you, for lack of a better word. Baptism and communion, both of those ordinances, you can get delivered out of the commu- at the communion table. You don't need to go through some big, like, hoo-ha, you know, hoo-ha, big <laughs> ordeal. You can go to the communion table, even if you are dealing with some satanic oppression or whatever. Go to the communion table, and you can receive your deliverance right there. And same thing with baptism. Those of you getting baptized, make a list already. You can start now. Things that maybe you're struggling with. Things that maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something else. You, make, you put that down and you say, okay, when I go into that water, I'm leaving that behind. When I come out, I'm coming up a new person. That, that will no longer be a part of me. You can, have, you can receive deliverance from these things, from both of those. And so in Galatians 2.20... I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that beautiful? That's a beautiful summation of what he did. He loved you and he gave himself for you. He gave himself, gave everything, held nothing back. Who you are comes out of what happened on the cross, this new identity, your new identification. No other identity can supersede this. No other identity, not your race, not your family, not your gender. Yeah, you, you can, this can become so, this becomes so big to you that all that other stuff just starts to, it's just, I mean, the Bible says in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female. All these other, like, identity things that separate us, they just start to, like, fall away. Like, it's so insignificant in comparison to this identity. And this identity is all of us, all races, all genders, all, all demographics, the rich, the poor, the whatever. It, it, this applies to anyone who will receive it. And it makes everything else insignificant. Everything Jesus did, he said it to the credit of your account just like you were there. And so Paul speaks about it as if you were. You say, well, Paul was not there at the cross, crucified with Christ. I, and you're like, well, I wasn't there. How am I? But in God's eyes, you were. In God's eyes, in the records of heaven, you were there. You, paid, you were there with him, and it was set to your account. Payment done. Punishment met. Justice met. Uh, You know, now it is no longer just for you to be bound. It is no longer justice for you to be bound by shame and guilt and the penalty of sin. It is no longer justice because justice has been served. So it's actually unjust for you to be bound. It's actually unjust for you to be struggling under the power of sin and darkness. It is an injustice, and we are, uh, by the grace of God... 
by the word of God, we're bringing justice to this. We're calling <laughs> that this, that it, there's certain things that have to stop. Unlawful. And that's the kind of attitude you got to get with the enemy. You just got stumping. Man, this is unlawful. What, I mean, how would you act if somebody came up and you knew your rights and you knew, I mean, they're trying to take everything out of your house right in front of your face. You wouldn't just sit there and be like, some of you, I mean, might be some gunfire. I don't know. There'd be all sorts of things because you're not putting up with unlawful. This is not right. I'm not letting you take everything. Well, don't let the enemy do it. It is unlawful. And so God's work in Christ now far exceeds the damage done to us by the fall. We are so aware of the damage, aren't we? So aware of, man, this is, this is what I struggle with. This is, a, you know, this is the weakness. This is, this is the sickness. But, but, but his work, we have to be more aware of his work than we are of the damage because his work is so much greater than the damage that was done. Will you believe that with me today? Will you believe that with me? The enemy wants us to think it's not true, but it is far. His payment was not just, he didn't just meet the demands of justice. He overpaid. The blood of Jesus was an overpayment, an excessive overpayment of the debt we owed. It was more, more weighty than the totality of all of our sin and failure. Hallelujah. You can't, you can't live your way right. You can't do enough right to outweigh the power of that blood. The moment you accept its work in your life, you are more clean than the person who never sinned. You're just as clean. Or a person who's lived their life and, you know, you know that looks so good on the outside. The blood of Jesus makes you better than, puts you in a better state than all, a lifetime of trying to do right. Hallelujah. Never let your struggle become your identity. Never let your struggle become your identity. Never look and say, this problem, and that's who I am, and, I, and I, that just must be how I am. My personality must just be, you know, this is just, this is just how it is. I don't think it's ever going to. Never let that happen. I don't care how long it's been going on. Never let your struggle become your identity. The death that God provided in Jesus when you go under that water in baptism, that was the death that he provided to bring an end to all the things that have tried to, uh, to tyrannize over your life. There's a death that's been applied. Some things will only be solved by death, and that is the truth. And people, sometimes people think, well, okay, you know, I guess that's the point of death row. People, you know, they're never going to change, and they're going to hurt people. So this is what, well, God provided an actual death that's better than death row. <laughs> He provided a death. Say, now they're not going to change until they die. Well, there's a death here that is provided to bring an end to old behavior patterns. Glory to God. And that death will form a separation between what you are now and what you used to be. And that old identity that operated according to wrong desires and lusts, full of certain appetites, habits, desires, and emotions, that even parts of our personality that pull us away from the will of God, that old identity has been put to death. 
And so I'll reiterate to you right now, you don't have to make this happen. Just look at it, reckon it, consider it, meditate on it, agree with it. It's not about trying harder. Go deeper into this revelation of who you are in Christ. God will tell you things about yourself for which there is no evidence it exists. But all you need is the evidence of God's word. Hold fast your confession of this. Find out you need to have a list of those things that you can acknowledge on a daily basis. At the very least, when the enemy is assaulting your mind, you can acknowledge these things of who you are in Christ. And, 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 and when you do that, hold fast to that, even when it looks like failure is staring at you in the face. You know Christ here from this place. Hallelujah. Let's just thank him right now. Lift your hands and thank him for what he's done. Thank him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Life in Christ Church Podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.